remember back in my football playing days, uh, you'd get into August and uh, you know, you'd have to go through the whole uh, state law deal where you could only wear a helmet and like shorts and, and a t-shirt for the first two or three practices. And then you could like put on your shoulder pads after those practices. And then the state allowed you to go into full pads on a certain date. And then you could, you know, then sometimes we'd call it big hit day because that was the the day that everyone could start slamming into each other full go. And, um, at usually at the end of that first week of full pads, there was a specific practice that we all looked forward to. And that was because we did our first scrimmage. We actually got to, you know, go full, go tackle football, you know, running plays on offense and defense and uh, see, you know, you kind of got an idea of what your season was going to look like. How good of a team were you going to be? And, and you know, parents would come and watch. It was kind of like a little – you kind of felt like it was almost a game and everything. And uh, it was important because, you know, you might be studied up on your plays. You might be, you know, doing your individual position drills uh, during practice. But until you try and put the whole thing together, you don't really know how it's going to go. And uh, that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. Realistic target practice with uh, Dead Nuts Outdoors. I have uh, Corey here, Corey Daniels from Dead Nuts, founder, right, of uh, Dead yes, Nuts? Sir. And is, yes. it ju- is it just you or do you have a team there with you? Uh, it's just me tonight, yeah. Uh, my team is, is my family and I. So That's cool. Yeah, I love it when people do outdoor family businesses. Um, I think it's uh, just one more way that the whole family can be brought into something great. And uh, there's so many lessons to be learned too, from running, running your own business. And uh, you already, I know I've mentioned at least one, one of your kids. How many kids do you have? I have four boys. Four. Wow. That boys, all outdoors guys, man, you guys have had to have had quite the hospital bill through, uh, through the years with uh, (laughs) four boys. (laughs) A couple for sure, yeah. <laughs> I I had uh, two brothers when I was growing up, and, a, and an older sister, and uh, I know how that goes. We there are times when I thought we we're going to destroy the whole house, but yeah, four boys. That's awesome, though. Um, I'm sure you have uh, plenty of hunting buddies, and uh, I imagine sometimes it's probably kind of tough to decide who gets to go. Yeah, it just depends. I mean, being out west, it's a lot of what did you draw. Um, mm. In the state of Washington, you get, you know, you get one deer. So once you shoot that one deer, you, you got to figure out what the heck you're going to do with the rest of your month. So yeah. you try to draw other states. <laughs> we put in, uh, we put in for different states and, you know, sometimes, sometimes we don't, or sometimes we'll draw multiple states, but each kid will have a, a different place to go. So yeah, that's cool. pretty fun times. Most time uh, we look forward to that every year. Can't wait. It's coming yeah. up. Just yeah. A couple months. That's right. It's hard to believe. Uh, we're almost to July. I mean, this weekend calendar rolls over to July, and uh, that's a two-month countdown for elk. Right? Is there some states that start in late August for elk, or is everyone pretty, pretty much Oregon September? used to? But it's it's not starting till September this year for the first time, and uh, for archery, and it's um, yeah, it should be pretty good. Uh, bear season begins. Uh, fall bear season begins in the state of Washington, uh, August first. So that will okay. be good uh just kind of the practice hunting get on out get get your feet under you uh doing some hiking glassing for bears and and going from there then getting ready for elk season 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, are your oldest sons, are they kind of getting to a point now where you can cut them loose to do some of their own hunting? Yeah, all, all my kids are free to go, man. So they, they, cool. they get after it uh, on their own. Um, they how, have both boys last year. Two of the older boys both killed bears out on their own last year and then called me. So That's cool. How did you transition to that? I mean, was that – was it kind of a, I can't imagine it was just a cold Turkey. Like, Oh, all of a sudden you're old enough. We'll see. Ya. Did you have kind of like they, a, a stepped procedure and uh, kind of cutting them loose? They kind of transitioned me. <laughs> they kind of just one day <laughs> said, we're going. And I'm like, well, this is what you need to do. We know what to do. And so, um, my youngest still sticks by me, but he doesn't want to, but the others, you know, the, the world's technology is great too, mm-hmm. with in reaches and the ability to communicate and, and that means a lot, um, you know, they make sure that they're always geared up. Um, you know, if we're going on longer hikes, especially, or if we're in uh, inclement weather, you get into Montana in November, you could have 65 degrees and you could have minus 20. And, wow. you know, and we've experienced both. And so making sure they're prepared for all of that and then knowing that they're going to be safe and smart um, means a lot. But again, technology, I can see where they're at for the most part all mm-hmm. the time and make sure that they're going and communicating. Yeah, that's good. That is a good point. And it's nice uh, relief to have that as, as a parent, I can imagine. And someday my son will be there and it'll be a, a, a weird thing when, and then, you know, hope I'm hoping my daughters get into it just as much. I think my middle daughter is for sure. My youngest is too young yet to know. Um, but, uh, you know, after, after he, uh, kind of breaks the ice on that'll probably make me feel although you know daddy's girl type of situation too you know that i don't know how that'll be but but uh no that's that's a ways off yet for me i'm i've taken them both out to do a little bit of hunt you know just sitting with me um this year will be my son's first year in a tree stand i bought a uh two-man tree stand this last off season and i'm gonna i'm gonna um let him climb up in there with me and and he can see how that goes and uh then the hope is you know the following year maybe he'll be able to get his first uh uh youth season rifle tag and and maybe get a doe or small buck i'm gonna uh don't tell him i told you this but i'm gonna try and put him in a circumstance where uh that's what he's most likely going to get not because i'm trying to be selfish and keep him away from the big bucks on the farm or anything but I think sometimes, not all, it's certainly not all, but I think a lot of times when a kid gets to drop a hammer and their first animal ever is some, you know, like really nice animal, um, it almost ruins them, you know, it's like, percent. you're 100% on the money. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got the experience. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that as a good bet. boys were different. I've got, I've got the ones that are stinking picky. And they just, it has to be this specific or they'll eat their tag. And then I have my 18 year old who he doesn't care what it is. If he has a tag, it's, he's going to shoot it. Um, and, uh, and then, then my youngest, Mr. Picky again. So it just depends on which, uh, which kid it is. And when we buy them their tags, it's uh, trophies in the eye of the beholder moments, right? So you guys decide and if you choose to mm-hmm. eat it, you choose to eat it. Um, it's a gift. The, the gift is the tag and you decide what it is you want to take with it. And so, um, last year, Montana, uh, two of my boys didn't take animals and, uh, but, uh, the one that'll shoot anything shot two, you know, a buck yeah. and a doe tag. Right. So that's awesome. Uh, it's just the way it goes. So they all, this, yep. they all have an opinion. Yep. 
Yeah, and you know it'll be interesting to see if any of my kids stick with hunting their whole life. I think they will. You know, they talk about it a lot. They're always drawing me pictures of, you know, giant bucks and giant sheds and stuff like that and and giving them to me when I get home from work. So they seem to be excited about it. They ask to go all the time. But it'll be interesting, you know, once once they're in it themselves, well, you know, how how well will they take to it? And I'm trying to do my best to not, you know, force them into it. But at the same time, you know, if they're going to go, then I'm not leaving the second they get cold or the second things right. they go and gets tough because I think there's some lessons to be learned there as well. But that's a delicate balance. But it's awesome that you've made it to a point now where you can enjoy it with all your kids and and you've passed on, you've done your part as a uh, hunting parent and passing on the the skills. You know, today I was, I was at a, uh, so I, for my job, I plant or I grow and, and plant and sell all that uh, prairie grasses and flowers and sedges for uh, like CRP acres and prairie restoration projects, backyard pollinator plots and stuff like that. So I, I call myself a prairie farmer. And, uh, we have the North American Prairie Conference this week, and it's here in Iowa. And uh, so I was there today, and in one of the sessions, they were talking about how, and I, I'm not sure how much you hear about this out in, in your neck of the woods there, Corey, but a big deal in Iowa is, yes, we're still like, you know, the ag state, but we're a state that is built on farming now and not on farmers, if that makes sense. Like uh, the number of farmers is just dwindled to a, a tiny fraction of what it once was. And uh, so still, you know, maybe even more acres are being farmed than ever have, but by fewer people than ever before. And so we were talking about that today at this conference. And uh, a older person who was there chimed in saying how, no, there's, there's no young people that want to farm. Well, that's not true by any means. Um, it's super expensive to get in. There's so many hurdles to a young person getting into farming now. But I think also one of those things is young people don't know how to farm because there's such a generational gap there that they weren't raised. They were raised knowing about farming, but not doing farming. You know what I mean? And I think we can almost do the same thing as parents if we don't, as hunters, you know, as hunting parents, if we don't find a way to include our kids, they won't even know how to get started when it comes to their time. You know what I mean? And so I think you've done your part, man, and passing it on. And hopefully someday you'll have grandkids and great grandkids that you get to see continue, you know, carrying on that legacy. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's uh wasn't an option. It was passed down to me. So um, and it was, it was more of a desire to, to just be in camp with my grandfather and mm. my dad and, and, uh, that, you know, we've, we've tried to pass that on to the, the kids too, where it's more than just a weekend warrior project where you're leaving your house and just, you know, driving yeah. to the nearest landing. Uh, we try to make it a, a full blown trip to where, um, you know, we've got to set up camp and everything is, I mean, it's hard to say roughing it in today's world because yeah. you have so many things available to you <laughs> yep. to rough it, but, you know, to where you're out and you're listening to the elk bugle while you're in bed or the coyotes yipping, or in some cases out here in the West, it'll be wolves howling. And, yeah. um, but you're out there having that experience together outside of a, uh, a home structure. You're doing mm-hmm. it in camp. So 
though I remember camp more than I remember the kills uh, as a kid growing up. And so those desires, as, as you get older too, it's crazy how you transition from the, the desire to get in camp, then the desire to get out and kill to the desire to just get into camp again as you get older. Is it, yeah. is that um, to just be a part of it and experience it with your kids and, and then be that next, whatever the next is, is going to be exciting. It's if you're out in the woods, it'll, it'll always be great. Uh, the experiences I always tell my kids all the time, they, they are very active in sports between, you know, baseball and wrestling and rodeo. And, um, you know, there's never a bad day on the boat. There's never a bad day in the woods. There just yeah. isn't. There's yeah. all the drama of the world staying because you go outside the world when you're in camp. So um, I, it's my favorite time of the year by far. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. The, the whole adventure, the whole experience, everything that wraps up into that. And there's, there's something, when you do it that way, there's something there for everyone. You know, if uh, you know, the hunting's okay, but I really love camping. Well, then you're going to be satisfied. Or I, I just love, you know, there's those guys that say, I just love being around my hunting buddies and my family members. Well, there's that, you know, there's something for everybody when you do it that way. So yeah, that, I, I think that's great. Well, we got to talk some business here, man. Uh, so dead nuts outdoors. How did, how did that come to be? It, I, I just saw it for the first time on Instagram here within the last week. And I'm like, wow, that is cool. That is such a good idea. This is exactly what I've been looking for. How did that, how, how'd that come to be? Well, it was, um, it was something we came up during COVID. I honestly, I, I was sent home from work. Uh, the, my second day of sitting around my boys and I shoot our bows all the time. I was tired of shooting the block and the bag. And, and, uh, so I made it, um, we just made one for ourselves hmm. and, uh, actually hand cut it out and everything. We just made it for ourselves and we just shot the tar out of it. And once you shoot it up so many times, it created such a hole that we had to throw it away. Well, we also just threw it in the trailer to take it to camp or where we were going and just to have it with us. Uh, cause we already had a, a, a bag and a block. And so we were hanging it from that and letting mm-hmm. the arrow get stopped by the backstop. So then uh, made a couple for some buddies and they thought, shoot, that's pretty cool. Well, um, uh, we were at elk camp year one and we put it out with the broadside mule deer and we set it out um, to where guys would have to drive by it. And we were counting brake lights from camp and uh, <laughs> to see how realistic it actually looked. And um, yeah. we were playing adult games, <laughs> watching people hit brake lights, you know, <laughs> you know, it wasn't season yet. So, and it went really well. And uh, so then we started shooting it and we came up with the idea of, well, every time I shoot this thing, you know, a whole bunch of times, I got to throw it away. So let's, let's make a kill zone that's replaceable. So we did that and we started to engineer some things and then, well, gosh, now when I throw it in the trailer, uh, it just gets destroyed back there at the load shift. So what if I can package it? And Mm. so then we figured out a way to package it to where it can be stored away, you know, in the winter time and, and go to camp easily and just in a box and, so then um, I was pretty active in a lot of the 3D shoots. And if, if you've ever been to one, I mean, 3D targets are cool. Don't get me wrong, but they're mm-hmm. crazy expensive. They're really heavy. Yep. And pulling your arrow out of them is sucks. Mi- yes, it's miserable. And, yeah. So when we came up with this, we're like, gosh, we can solve a lot of issues here um, for price point. We can solve issues of high res, high def, actually seeing what you're shooting versus mm-hmm estimating off of a foam mold and spray paint. And then um, we can also uh, ease of arrow removal. And then in the wintertime, ease of storage. Don't, you don't have to leave it out. You can just put it away real easy yep. when you're putting away your block or whatever. 
so I, I thought, well, gosh, we, we've hit four or five different things that are kind of a, um, a pain with the, with the 3d world. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, we decided to throw it out there and we threw it out there a couple years ago for the first time. And um, we had more orders than we knew what to do with. So we pulled all of our ads down immediately <laughs> because, because we, we, I just don't want to overpromise and under deliver to people. And we yeah. weren't in a position where we could produce at a level that I thought would be pleasing. So we, started to figure out, okay, how do we actually produce this? Let's get our packaging correct. Instead of just making our packaging, let's order Mm -hmm. actually boxes and and get our labels right. And we're going to do this. Let's do it right. Uh, So then last year came, we did a couple of uh, sportsman shows and we did some archery shoots and got really good feedback, Uh, learned some lessons too. I mean, we're, you know, the, the very first batch that we ever did were were, were on black material. And uh, we learned that in direct sunlight and heat, that the black material would get very hot and cup. Mm. It would snap back in as the night fall hit and it cooled down in temperatures, but you can't have that when you start getting into Texas and Wyoming and those yeah. hot windy summers, it'll fold up. So we've, we've had some lessons the last couple of years that we, we were fortunate enough to catch that before we actually sold any of them. The oh, only good. material we use in black now is our turkeys and bears, and mm-hmm. they're not big enough in the way that the corrugated is, they won't fold up. Um, sure. So we went to white with everything else and it's worked great. Uh, and we're finally at a place, I think, even though there's still, um, I mean, we can always be better. Don't get me wrong, but we've got some really good feedback from people. Um, in fact, you'll see uh, newly designed kill zones coming out pretty soon to try to please the, the greater mass because everybody has an opinion of that, of that kill zone. Yeah. But um, uh, so we're going to, we're adjusting that now. Uh, in fact, the two antelope that came out this last week, our, our pronghorn, uh, they have the newly designed kill zones in those uh, oh, to, very cool. to try to, to try to appease the masses. So anyway, so we've decided now we're we're producing at a level that is very sustainable. Um, we can ship on a daily basis now. Our our goal is to ship same day, although the last thirty days has been crazy. Uh, uh, so we've been shipping at least within forty eight hours uh, the last thirty days. But we seem to be caught up now. We're we're starting to get caught up again getting ready for this July and August push that we kind of expect to see um, with everybody getting their bows out and dusting them off and yep. starting to shoot and get ready for the season. And the point in the whole target was to, to work with my kids to understand bone structure of animals, uh, angles, uh, quartering away angles, frontal angles, uh, obviously broadside angles and, and what and where you need to hit them to have the quickest humane kill uh, possible. And and then since then, we've begun incorporating in some stuff. Um, we got a young man named Mason Boss who's coming out with a program called Hunt Fit that'll be out soon. Oh, very good. <clears throat> and they are, uh, it's designed around, um, you know, helping you get ready to shoot. I Meaning you'll get, you know, as a Western hunter, we're in some pretty steep terrain quite often. So, you know, maybe with your bow in your hand, you, you do 25 uh, air squats with your pack on, get your heart rate up as high mm-hmm. as you can, then pull your bow to full draw for 60 seconds and hold and then acquire the target and shoot. And, and I will tell you that it's not as easy as you might think. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy how much um, it, it puts you in more of a real scenario uh, with heart rate and, and, and you're just breathing hard and, and just like you are when you get on them. So yeah. the gist of the program, the gist of dead nuts was to, was to create scenarios for people with lifelike um, life size, uh, targets that adhere to your existing target that you already have to save you money 
um, and to shoot it for a, a long, long time um, and get good real practice in. Yeah, that that sounds like exactly what I'm looking for and what I imagine most people are looking for. And if they're going to go with a, a, you know, realistic target, you know, whether that be a 3D target or something like what you have, um, they're wanting something that is as close to what they're going to be seeing when they're drawing their bow. And uh, so I think that's awesome. You've kind of talked about it here a little bit. Uh, you've you've described a few features, but could you just like put it all together? Like uh, what what these targets are like from size to talking. You talked a little bit about being able to fold it up and store it away to uh, the material it's made out of. You talked about it being able to adhere to targets. Can you just give us a complete, you know, like sixty second rundown on what the products are like? You bet. So our targets are made of four millimeter uh, fluted polypropylene or, or corrugated plastic. Um, they have replaceable kill zones in them and they fold up uh, and go into a 32 by two by 36 inch box. So they're very easy to store and take with you anywhere. Uh, when you unfold them, they, they are supplied with stabilizer strips that you place across the folds to hold it together uh, very firmly. Um, and then they're, they are um, installed or pre-installed with a uh, hanging tab and that hanging tab is centered over the top of your kill zone to ensure that your kill zone is always centered directly in front of your backstop. And you can hang it to your existing target, whether it be a bag, a block, or a bale. You hang it vertically or horizontally over the top of a block and um, adhere it down with, with uh, simply a screw or whatever you have, uh, target pins, to hold it in place. Um, and then you are uh, on the back of the kill zones are little sticky tabs that you peel and you pop your kill zone in and shoot away. Kill zones will take, depending on what size target you have, you know, the, the broadside bull's probably going to take 300 shots or better before you need to replace it. But most of it is, is dependent upon what you're looking for in your eye. Obviously, the more you shoot it in the same exact spot, the more you're going to be able to see where you're hitting. So as the season begins to progress or season gets closer and you want to tune your eye in, replace your kill zone. Hmm. Kill zones are very inexpensive. Uh, every target comes with two. Uh, so you can shoot the bejeebers out of your one. And then put in your new one uh, right before season if you want to start to dial your eye in. And then we sell two packs, uh, additional two packs for $19. So okay. we want it to be a very inexpensive way for you to, to, to practice real scenarios and, and focus in on what you're looking for bone structure-wise in, in the posture that the animal is standing in when you shoot. Yeah, love that. Such a, such a great idea. Um, how many shots do you – Maybe you guys haven't done like a total study on this, but how many shots usually do people get on the kill zone before they need to replace it? Yeah, it depends. So, um, you know, it depends on the size of the kill zone. So the turkeys, obviously we put four kill zones in the turkeys because the kill zone is so much smaller mm -hmm. and you're going to pound it out. Um, on the big game stuff, we're, we're seeing anything from 150 to 300 shots. Wow. But again, it's, it's really about your eye preference too, because that it'll stick in there as long as you want it to stay there. If you're sure. looking for uh, to train your eye as you tune for the season, maybe a week or two before season, you want to pop a new one in. Um, it just depends on what you're looking for personally. Uh, but yeah, they'll they'll uh, you can pound them 150 to 300 very easily. Like the broadside wow. buck, I've got as many as 250 into. Wow, that's awesome. And then it needed to come out. Yeah, that's 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 uh, some great value there, um, man. 
I can see all kinds of like partnering opportunities here with uh, different broadhead companies that I have one in mind that I'll tell you about after uh, we get off this uh, podcast. And I'd be willing to, uh, after I order mine, do some, uh, cause I use these broadheads and they do such a nice job of, of, uh, folding down for practice, you know, almost like a field point, but it's going to fly like you're, you're, uh, you know, you're actually hunting with it. Um, but it'd be interesting to test that out on the on the kill zone, see how it holds up and everything. But we, we can talk about that after we're done uh, with the podcast. You brought up a really good point, though, Ken. Uh, we get that question a lot about broadheads and can you shoot broadheads into the target? And you can. Um, obviously, it depends on your backstop. But the only problem with broadheads uh, with a plastic target is you have to line the blades up to pull it through the same way that it went in. Hmm. So. Um, what we tell a lot of people is if you're going to shoot broadheads at your target, you can leave your target up, pop the kill zone out. You're still oh, looking yeah. for shoulder. You're still going to be shooting that same area. Just pull your kill zone out. Yes, there will be a hole there, and yes, you'll be able to see. But if you're just trying to tune your broadhead or get some broadhead practice in, that's an option. And you can shoot it, and the target will hold up just fine. It's just kind of a pain in the tail to remove them. Sure. You can do it that way because you got to line the heads up. Yeah, no, that make, that makes sense for sure. Yeah, love that. Well, uh, you talked about you've gotten some good feedback. You got any uh, good testimonial stories uh, for uh, to share with our listeners? Uh, well, we've had a few. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are using some of these as decoys as well, um, oh. especially the frontal bull. Um, so pretty good testimonials there. Is that they have set the frontal bull out in front of them um, as he looks on. Um, I've actually done it myself too. But uh, so those are cool. Turkeys as well were used, silhouettes. Um, as silhouettes uh, and decoys. So those are cool testimonials. Um, you know, we've had, um, hopefully there's not any poachers listening to your show here, but we've actually had the fishing game asking about them because they're easier to tote around than their dummies <laughs> if they're trying to catch people. So uh, there's some there's some good stuff going on. The opinions that we get most of are uh, just how easy and light they are. The, the box is going to weigh two pounds. I mean, it, yeah. they're just easy for you to keep around and um, for me, the exciting part is the fact that you're going to get as, as good a practice as you can get before the season uh, for each individual. And, you know, we're open to anything constructive. If you have opinions, shoot, let us know. I'm, I'm in. Uh, we're, which is, you know, we're, we're listening um, to everything. And some of them, you know, may not be uh, feasible, but most opinions we get are very constructive and awesome. And, um, you know, we're starting to really talk to, uh, some guys that are enjoying shooting them. So for us, it works great. Yeah. Love that. Well, uh, before we tell everybody how to find you guys on social media and how to make a purchase themselves, uh, you got a, a good, uh, quick hunting story for us. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> it's been a few, uh, gosh. So I, I'm in the West, I'm a West side guy, right? So, um, out West hunters and I elk is my passion by far. It's not hmm. close. And had a unique experience a couple years ago um, where uh, we were in kind of a rut fest. It was the last week of the season, and there was a lot of rut activity. And I was getting beat. They were just beating me every day. Either I was getting caught in a thermal switch or just – it was just very frustrating. And I uh, was being lazy walking down a road, and um, uh, some cows had jumped off this little ranch road in the, on some BLM land where, uh, you know, where they go around up their cows. And so – pretty frustrated with myself that I was being lazy, just kind of kicking rocks, walking down the road and not staying focused. And 
Um, I kind of knocked an arrow and walked down towards where they were and I uh, didn't make any calls because the thermals were switching. It was getting late in the morning, 10, 11 o'clock, and mm-hmm. I was just going to wait to go down in the canyon and try to get on their level. And when I turned around to walk back up, uh, I could smell a bull, but I just thought that he had exited with them. And he uh, was dead asleep behind me. I walked past him and uh, he was lying <laughs> down dead asleep in some jack pines. I just saw the top of his Whoa. antlers. And I was like, oh, gosh. I'd never seen that before, and I probably wouldn't have believed the story had it had not happened to me. So um, I went to full draw and tried to find a shot angle, um, but there wasn't very many angles there because he's lying in jack pines. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, as I got closer inside of 10 yards, he lifted his head up and looked at me, and there was my angle, and I I shot him in his bed uh, with my bow, and he went, I don't know, 40, 50 yards and and expired. That's awesome, man. It was a pretty intense thing. I'd love to say it was some great call in and, um, you know, all that practice I put in on dead nuts targets paid off, but this was, this was just one of those lucky situations where, um, and I've had some great hunts get spoiled. Uh, this was just a lucky one. Yeah. Very lucky. You, you know, the, that, that I think is stories like that are hunting in its purest form. You know, it's like, how, how do, uh, how does the wolf hunt? He hunts in an opportunistic way, right? He finds the sure. he finds his break, and that's when he strikes. And uh, you know that's the same deal for us. You know, if we if we get a lucky break, that's when you find out how good of a hunter you are. Is if you can capitalize on that lucky break, because a lot of people, myself included, can fail during those lucky break moments. And uh, um, you know, so yeah, I, I mean. You put yourself in the right spot. You responded well to the circumstance. You obviously knew what you were after. You understood the animal. You, you know, caught wind of him, knew what you were smelling, and and uh, you you capitalized on a on a uh, moment that kind of broke your way. So that's an awesome story, man. I've never heard of anybody doing that, like like walking right past a an animal while he's sleeping like that. Although I I have heard of. Yeah, or you like see those viral videos of like bucks during the rut, you know, they're just going round the clock chasing does yeah. and fighting with each other and stuff. And they'll just kind of almost be like a zombie. They'll just pass out asleep or something, you know? So, you know, it, 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 it does happen, but pretty unlikely for someone to come across that. That's the first I've ever heard of it anyway. So that's, that's really cool, man. It was a crazy moment for sure. I, I've I've called in several and it never shook as bad as I was shaking after that shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, adrenaline was crazy. I bet. Yeah, going from going from a relaxed feeling to it's go time. Where's my shot? That's that's zero to a hundred miles an hour really quick. But um, no, that's really that's really cool. Uh, so how can people follow along with uh, Dead Nuts and how can they uh, make a purchase for themselves? Oh, awesome. Yeah. So uh, deadnutsoutdoors.com is where you will find our products. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, Facebook at deadnuts outdoors, Instagram at deadnuts.outdoors. Uh, please check us out. Um, take a look at them, see what you think. And like I said, I'm open to any and all opinions. We'll be putting a poll out real soon. Uh, we're doing some giveaways. So please uh, vote. We are, we just released our two latest pronghorn to get ready for that season for all of you uh, uh, prairie guys. And um, we're going to be putting out uh, a kind of a what's next poll. We get a lot of opinions on what what people would like to see next. Uh, And so if you vote, you'll be put into the pool to win a target and a swag kit pack. So please vote on what you feel should be the next target that we produce. And it'll be out um, probably sometime in mid-August. 
Love it. Love it. Yeah. Can't wait to see those new products coming and uh, see you guys continue to grow. I think you have an awesome uh, product idea, good concept there. And uh, you guys obviously are very attentive to uh, customer needs and, and uh, growth and evolution for the company. So uh, I'm really excited to see how that continues to uh, unfold for you in the future. But thanks so much for coming on tonight, Corey. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Please remember this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is the best mapping company there is out in the deer woods. I use it all the time, almost daily. And uh, I recently told a story about how it got me and my wife out of a bind while we were uh, hiking around on some federal land. And we thought we were in one spot based on the map that the park ranger gave us. Turns out we were in a different spot and uh, we had to figure it out. Spartan Forge is there for us. We also, of course, use it during deer season. And you can see my other sponsor of the podcast, Alex Groom from East to West Hunts. Uh, use it in his latest YouTube video. So if you go to the East to West Hunts YouTube channel, look up Alex's part one to his Kansas deer hunt that he uh, planned for himself and a friend uh, this last year. And you can see how Alex used Spartan Forge in that video to uh, help. Uh, well, you won't, spoiler alert, he, he uh, gets a, a buck in part two, but his buddy gets it in part one, part one and he uh, had some, had just one really incredible encounter, some of the best footage of a buck at like really close range that I've seen on a YouTube hunting video. And there's like a bajillion of those out there. So pretty awesome thing, but you can see Alex using Spartan Forge there. I of course use it all the time. You can download it for free You can go to uh, either the show notes on this episode, click on the link for Spartan Forge there, or you can go to my link tree on Instagram and find a link there as well. Download it for free and then sub- subscribe to the different uh, aspects of the app that you need. Uh, especially coming into deer season here very soon. Some of you folks, like if you're down in South Florida, uh, you can be hunting at the end of next month chasing whitetails. Or if you are uh, in some of those other lucky states, you could be hunting as early as August for deer. Have Spartan Forge in your pocket, get using it so you know which days to get out there. I know I will definitely be using it a ton. So a big thank you to Spartan Forge for always supporting this podcast. And then again, Alex Gruen at East West Hunts. If you got a hunt that you want to do, if you want to go out to Washington State and chase elk, or uh, I guess you got a couple different deer species, I think, out there. Um, and uh, you got some bears. You got all sorts of cool stuff to chase out there. Alex is the guy that can get you lined up for doing that. He'll help you with the tag applications and then planning the hunt once you draw the tag that you're looking for. He'll go as far as telling you what gear to get even renting you the gear or selling you the gear because he does that a lot too. And uh, he'll even uh, give you waypoints and, and, and uh, talk to hunting guides and get information about food sources and where to find water and all that good stuff. Alex does a full top to bottom hunt planning service. Again, you can find him at East West Hunts. Use the promo code FIRSTGEN10 and you'll save yourself 10% off of that. And you can use that money to buy a Dead Nuts target to get dialed in with your bow before this coming hunting season. There's still time. Get on it. Get to it. You know how fast they're going to be making that and getting it in the mail for you, too, after what Corey told us tonight. So thank you again, Corey. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And until next time, take care and take someone hunting. <laughs>